Revolting is produced by The Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at The Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with steve and Robot on the Cycling Independent, episode 79. Is that gravel in your shorts, or are you just glad to see us? In content warning, uh, we're going to say bad words, uh, and they're going to be mixed in with some good words, so you can't pick them out. If you're picky about stuff like that, this isn't the dish for you. Take a hike. Uh, we did a clean episode where I think I said three bad words, but, but there wasn't, there was like, one of them was like piss or something. It was like barely, um, it was barely a bad word. And uh, that felt pretty good. It felt, you know, it was, we, we were mixing up our, uh, our inspiration. I had a stomach cramp after just from holding, <laughs> holding stuff in. Also, um, Patrick, who mixed the, that episode, as he mixes all our episodes, pointed out that if we're going to do a family-friendly show, we shouldn't tell long stories about our friends peeing on each other. <laughs> like, that's maybe not family-friendly. Just because we didn't <laughs> say, fuck shit crap, or whatever. Who told a story about peeing on people? You, you did. Oh. What was that about? I don't remember. <laughs> I think he made that up. I don't think I told a story about peeing on anybody. I'll have to go back and listen. Oh, to yeah. No, I... what happened was I told a story about getting stung by a jellyfish, and then you have to pee on oh, where right. you got stung by a jellyfish, and then you were like, <laughs> I, I suggest that all the time, peeing on my friends. Well, family-friendly, is, and it's got a, a broad margin. You know, I whatever, PG-13, we'll call it PG-13. We can't. It's you guys do the family-friendly podcast. We you do. just talk about bike junk. And I don't know. I mean, I guess that's what you talk about. I never listened to an episode. <laughs> we do talk about bike stuff. And I'll be honest with you. And I, I talk about bike stuff, whatever. But And we're going to talk about bike stuff today. But uh, during that podcast, I am often... I, I also have a stomach cramp at the end of every one of those because I've wanted to say, <laughs> I've wanted to use the word "that's fucking bull." The words "that's fucking bullshit," <laughs> not about something Patrick says on the. That's don't get the wrong impression, but like you know, well the, the someone will uh, Patrick will say something like, "Well, the industry is doing this," and I'll be like, "That's fucking bullshit," but I can't say that. So then I have like three "that's fucking bullshits" stuck in oh, my gut. Boy. That would I would that would leave me heaving so many sighs. <laughs> I can I care less and less about the bike industry. Like I started out not really caring about the bike industry. You know, whatever twenty five years ago, thirty years ago, whatever. It was kind of fun, you know. Like I had friends in it, and it was I'd go to the trade shows or whatever, and run around and see people. But I didn't really care, you know, I didn't have anything invested in it. And now 
I guess that I kind of do have something invested in it, I care even less. I think that's on brand for you. The industry (laughs) retailer, uh, as soon as I crack the front page, I immediately glaze over and start imagining, like, what kind of fire would this start? (laughs) So, uh, yeah, that said, we're going to talk about bikes. Uh, We're going to talk about bikes today, which is probably going to be super exciting. I screwed this up because I was trying to, I meant to get uh, my kids slide whistle. Uh, What I want to (laughs) do on the podcast from now on is every time we talk about bikes, (laughs) I want to cue it. (laughs) Here we go. I saw a video of a band teacher and his seventh grade students. Every time he grabbed his coffee cup to take a drink the kids with the violins would go and then he would drink and all the kids would make a slurping sound and then he would put his coffee cup down and they go with the violin and it was a, it was the sweetest most wholesome thing but i would imagine uh that would drive me completely out of my mind like it'd be funny at first it'd probably be a little confusing at first but then it would be funny and then it would be super annoying and then it would go all the way around the dial to funny again. And then it would, I would probably like set the school on fire. Like, <laughs> <laughs> those are the stages. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty sweet though. One of my kids, my younger son said to me the other day, he said something funny. And I was like, is that a thing you and your friends do? And he said, well, this thing, I do this thing. This was so cute. He said, I do this thing where I say something that's mildly funny, and then I keep saying it till it's real funny, and then I keep saying it till it's not funny, and then I keep saying till it's funny again to me. Mm. <laughs> and I said, and I know that, like, we we do that. That's like a thing that we do. But I was like, oh, look at you, like, growing up in your little, uh, in your little annoying <laughs> way. <laughs> Oh, it's, I mean, there's probably some in the, you know, like stand-up comedy circles or or comedy writing or something. There's probably a name for that. There must be. Um, I can't think of what it is. And it doesn't necessarily always work for me, you know, like it will. Uh, and this is why I don't have a kid and this is why I'm not a teacher I have really like generally a pretty short fuse and something that could be funny, you know, two times becomes instantly like irrationally infuriating the third time. I don't know. <clears throat> I just the cut of my jib, I guess. I still chuckle. You and I were having a text conversation one time and I was being a dickhead and you were trying to be aggravated and you texted to me, not everything is a joke. And I said, isn't it though? (laughs) And you were like, shit, (laughs) it is. (laughs) Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to uh, argue with reason. Yeah. You are aggravated right now. You are in a, 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 a way you're in a way. Well, we were talking about it before we hit the record button, and I can't quite put my finger on it. I was actually thinking, like, uh, I went to Portland and then to Tacoma, and I got to see the band 68 two times in a row. And I've never driven more than an hour to see a band, I don't think. But, you know, 
I had to see. I had to see them. I had to see them. I have been so enamored with them for the last couple of years. And, um, you know, while I was in Portland, I hung out with friends and had drinks and saw nine day old kittens and rode my bike around and the weather was glorious and it couldn't have been a nicer time. Um, and then I went to Tacoma and hung out with friends and played with remote control trucks and rode my bike. And that was super fun. But there was something that just like when I got back into town, I was so, I just felt this like low, not even low grade aggravation, just like I was just fucking frustrated. And I was kind of reflecting like, what is inspiring this? Where is this coming from? And I, I wondered, you know, uh, it's been a long time since you've drank alcohol, but I wondered if like my Sarah, I like kind of, and I didn't drink a ton when I was there, but. Um, if I kind of screwed up my serotonin levels where I was like, you know, alcohol is a depressant and I was on a real good, you know, equilibrium. And then I had some drinks and it, it not, it's never affected me like this before. So there's no reason or history for me to think that, well, naturally this is what's causing my frustration, but it was just something that I was kind of contemplating. Um, my mom uh, is, uh, she just had a surgery and I've been frustrated about that and it's been hot and I've been frustrated about that. And then I started, I was sitting in front of a painting that I've been sitting in front of for two years uh, and I was frustrated about that. Like everything is just kind of making me feel mad right now and I can't figure out why. Then I set you up to talk about bikes for an hour and you were like, fuck, what's uh, even the point? Not just bikes, but gravel bikes. <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's like you knew. Oh, you know, it's the fucking dumbest thing I could get this guy to talk with me about. <laughs> a category that... It, fuck. Okay, we'll, we'll get after that in a little while, and it's going to be great. Oh, your aggravation amuses me to no end. This might be the secret of our success, is that the more <laughs> irritated you get, the, the more amused I am. It oh. feels really bad as a friend. I mean, I, I, you know, I love you so much, but I get, why do I get so much joy? I don't know. <sighs> I don't know, but like then I get, I, you know, I find humor in, in the humor that you find in my discontent. Discontent, discontentment-ishness. Right. Uh, so yeah, it's just, uh, it's a, it's a, a healthy symbiotic back and forth relationship <laughs> yeah, maybe, that we have. Maybe it's some sort of wraparound, <laughs> some sort of mood reach around. <laughs> Here's another thing. Here's another thing that pissed me off. So 68, which is the greatest band alive right now, as far as I'm concerned, one of them. Yep. I have been following this tour and I had told people in San Diego, I was like, you gotta fucking go. Nobody went. San Francisco. I know a ton of people in San Francisco told uh, everybody, nobody went. Two people text me back. Oh man, I wish I'd gone to that. Uh, then where were they after that? I guess Portland. Uh, like Christina, our friend, Christina Sinkovic, she went, uh, a couple of my buddies, they didn't go. Uh, and instead went to like a bike shop party or something. And that's cool. You know, that's, but like, I just don't understand. And then I, and then I, and then from there they went to Boise. And I told friends in Boise, nobody went. Uh, I told people, I've told people, and now in Salt Lake City, 
I mean, I'm just like, I'm like, hey, people that I know in these different places, like, you got to go see this band. And then I was having this whole, you've seen Hot Tub Time Machine, right? Sure. Like, Lou is like, what the fuck happened to my friends? What happened to us? You know, and then I'm having this whole, like, existential, like, what the fuck? And it's it's not just about this band, but it was, you know, the last two years I was in Oakland three years I was in Oakland, like I couldn't fucking find anybody to play with. Like there's dinner parties. I already have dinner parties, you know, like that's what everybody does is they have dinner parties or they garden or whatever. And and that's cool. You know, dinner parties are fun. Gardening's fun, but you know, what is also fun fucking mobbing around and like in like exploring the city and going to bars and finding a new restaurant and maybe making new friends or going to see some weird Kung Fu movie or Fucking throwing beer bottles in the air and trying to r- break them with rocks or whatever <laughs> the fuck. And I was just like, it was so like, is this grown? Is this what being a grown up's like? Yes. It's fucking lonely. Uh, yes. I don't like it. I want a, I want a rebate, a um, rebate, a refund. I am tempted to say that you need to find a bunch of 12-year-olds to hang out with, but before I suggested that, I was like, oh, no, right, that's, you go to jail. <laughs> kind of <laughs> you illegal. Go to prison for that. <laughs> when, uh, when I was in the Bay Area, my friend Carl had moved out from Lincoln, and she and I had been sort of like internet pen pals for a few years, and then she moved to the Bay Area, and she's considerably younger. She's about half my age or something, but she was like my ride or die, you know? Like, I'd call her or text her and be like, hey, there's a show tonight okay, what time are we going? She'd meet me after work. Like, we were always just cruising around together. And to the point where I think people thought we were, um, I think people thought we were dating or something because we were always, like, she was always just kind of, like, down for whatever, you know, when I couldn't find anybody else to hang out with. It was it was fun, you know, developing a friendship with her, um, uh, you know, because it was she was always just kind of, like, cool with goofing off. Uh, and it didn't seem like any of my friends were, or when it didn't seem like any of my friends were. Uh, but, you know, there's families and there's responsibilities, there's jobs. And I guess you just get worn down because I haven't had a proper nine to five in uh, 16 years or something. Like, it's I'm a little ha- more flexible. It is hard to be a grown up. I think I'm kind of on the boomerang with this. I think um, in my 30s, I was working all the time. I did stop going to shows. I, I, I don't know. Part of it is like being a parent and part of it is just thinking you have to make money. I don't even know if you know why, but like you're just at it. You know, like everything is too hard. And now that I'm, I mean, it's been a few years that I'm, I'm uh, going back the other direction, but I think actually it was uh, when my dad died. I was like, oh, oh, right. Death comes for us all. Mm-hmm. Therefore, I have to go to rock shows, obviously. I try, The first experience I had with this where I was just so I was d- disappointed and and kind of disappointed in growing up and disappointed in the decisions my friends had made because that uh, made it less fun for me is I was trying to get Dave Strunk uh, of Pentabike fame. I was like, move to the Bay Area. Like, let's make art. Let's make fucked up art and let's listen to punk rock and let's go to shows and ride bikes around all night. And let, and he, he got married. And I was like, oh. 
and it wasn't a marriage that was you know it ended up it ended kind of rough and he's got a he got a couple of really great kids from the relationship and he loves them dearly and he doesn't have regrets but he i think he was always kind of looking at like what would how would my life have been different because he's got a job he's got a career you know he's got he did all the right things but it wasn't it was almost like he was and this is just my my perspective or conjecture or whatever on my part but it was almost like he was just kind of on autopilot like this is what you do that's you what start, i did i was definitely you, on autopilot i was definitely just like oh this is the way you you adult yeah absolutely and then i remembered oh yeah things used to be fun what was that like what is it that i did that was fun i had one of those kind of i'm also kind of mad because i you know visiting with my mom in the hospital i i have these glimpses of like what is you know if the roles were reversed and i'm aged assuming i even have insurance or anything that will take care of me at that point. Like, I don't have anybody. I don't, I, my wife's gone. We never had any kids. Like what, what does that future hold for me? And so I've been really like spinning out about all of this stuff. You're in a heavy place. Say, uh, yeah. Did I just say my wife left me? You said she was gone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Semantics are important in that situation or in that uh, uh, event. Uh, and it's not, you know, we still have a really nice relationship with one another. And she's an amazing human being. But, you know, I don't have my rock, uh, you know, for better or for worse, I guess, depending on your perspective or her perspective. But, uh, yeah, so all of this stuff is kind of playing into this week being just kind of a kind of edgy spot after my hypnotization and i was like oh it's cool i don't give a shit about anything anymore and now this week i give a shit about fucking everything <laughs> you gotta get back you gotta get I back know. something broke i know i know i might you need to do care up. about everything i care about how people in salt lake city are spending their weekend <laughs> i know it's so dumb it's so dumb i don't know i don't know like i said it's it's a lot of pieces and a lot of stuff maybe serotonin maybe i shouldn't have had that other beer, you know, maybe I should have spent more time eating salad over the weekend. I don't know what the fuck is going on, but that's so that's just a short version. So a long, long, short version. Well, I, I, uh, I quote the um, theme song to the 80s television program Family Ties quite a lot in scenarios like this. And I say, uh-huh. hey, there ain't nothing. There ain't no nothing. We can't love each other through. Mm. Yeah. Steve sage perspective yeah we're gonna be great as soon as we finish talking about these gravel bikes you love so much i'm into it uh we got music picks right up off the bat though don't we yeah let's do that okay i like yours by the way oh you do um i'm gonna jump in then mine is uh the rival schools album united by fate uh, and I picked it this week because rival schools are playing shows. They are not anywhere near me, thanks, but they are playing <laughs> shows again. Uh, and 
When Rival Schools first came out, I was like, oh, this is okay. But I loved Quicksand so much that I was disappointed. Mm, you um, wanted you wanted quicksand. I that's wanted quicksand. That's so good though. Uh, United by Fate, I think is, I it's probably one of of that decade uh, and change. It's probably one of my favorite records. It's great. It is nonstop great. It is so great. Yeah, I, and I listened to it back then, but I think I I came to appreciate it later. Mm-hmm. Um. I mean, really, really, I came to love it later. And I listen to it somewhat frequently still. Um, it's, it is so good. So for people who don't know, um, Walter Schreifels, who's the guy, main guy in Quicksand, who was the bass player in Gorilla Biscuits. Uh, after Quicksand, he did Rival Schools, which is a heavy, but not as heavy as Quicksand band where I think he he he's a songwriter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I don't it's it's very strange to think of someone who comes out of the New York hardcore scene as a songwriter, but he is a real goddamn songwriter. And uh this might be kind of like peak Walter Schreifels, United by Faith. That's a good way to describe it. And uh you know, I've said it before like uh my, my old housemate said i only like music i can sing along to mm. like it's heavy but it is totally fucking singable like it is really pretty it's really nice to listen to but it's 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 intense and it's thick you know it's not thick it's rich yes rich and rich creamy. rich and creamy um uh similarly but not really, but kind of. Uh, there's a band, uh, they're on tour currently right now. They're from San Diego called the Schizophonics. And uh, last year they put a record out called Hoof It. And um, that's my pick this week. It's like psychedelic garage and it's, it's heavy and it's reminiscent uh, of, you know, uh, like kind of weird... Uh, uh, Mo not Motown, but to definitely like Detroit era rock, um, with you know, punk infusion. Uh, and I actually I don't know what day it is today, Thursday. Oh, I get to see him tomorrow night. Oh, um, and the front the front man, whose name I can't remember right now because I can only keep so many things in my head at a time. He is an absolute uh fury. Uh, on stage and I so I when I was when I was uh after the first time I saw the first night I saw 68 I approached Josh Scoggin Scogan uh the vocalist guitarist and I decided I'm gonna do this um I'm gonna do this like one word interview with bands or one question interview with bands and something that you and I have talked about before, like we were wondering what their dry cleaning bill must be because <laughs> those they are wear... the heavy things you and I discuss offline. <laughs> How much do you think those guys pay for dry cleaning them? Well, I don't know. Let's talk about it some more. They always wear nice pressed suits, and Nico, the drummer, wears a tie and tie clip and a pocket square, and they look very sharp. 
though on closer inspection, Nico's shoes are absolutely falling apart. He looks like a homeless guy who got dressed nicely. Like that's yeah. kind of what they're like. If you look up close, there's all kinds of, you know, it's, there's a lot of wear and tear, but they look really sharp bow tied, like properly tied bow ties and the whole thing. Uh, so I asked Josh, what is your guys like, you know, dry cleaning bill on tour? Like, and he responded, it's not as much as you'd think. I was like, Bam, there's the interview. Cut. And, uh, cut. and the next night, Dirty Randy said, oh, yeah, I don't think they really worry about dry cleaning. And I looked at Nico's slacks, and they're just covered in salt deposits. <laughs> so it's like, oh, man, that's fucking cool as shit. You know, they just sweat through their suits, hang them up, like drip dry. <laughs> uh, and now I have a new question for a uh, uh, guy whose name I still can't remember. He is extremely active on stage and so i'm going to ask him if he took uh gymnastics when he was small oh yeah so you know <laughs> tune in <laughs> to get the answer oh god it's a real cliffhanger yeah <laughs> so uh schizophonic rival schools uh united by fate schizophonic hoof it uh check it out or don't you know we'll get paid by the bands either way that's right. And with that, let's get a word from our sponsor. Revolting is sponsored by the homies at Shimano North America. They're hoping that you bunch of knuckleheads will check out their sweet new road wheels. Have you seen them? At 105 Ultegra and Durace levels, they have carbon disc wheels you can afford that are as well made as everything they make. One thing I really like about them is they're not rolling billboards. They're, they're low-key. You know, they're aero, they're tubeless ready. They're all those good things, too. Do us and yourself a favor. Give them a look at road.shimano.com. Uh, what is this episode? Ah, you, you paid for the whole seat, but you only need the edge. <laughs> This episode is about gravel bikes. I just heard like like thousands of laptops shutting in unison. <laughs> oh yeah. The whole show about bikes. It's gonna be great. We're gonna talk about gravel as a category. What makes a great gravel bike? <gasps> and we're gonna take a bunch of other things more seriously and not make fun of everything for everyone for getting their shorts in a bunch over it. Now, I want to oh, jump in real quick and say, exhausted. Um, Steve hates this. I don't hate this. I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad about it. I, in fact, in fact, I have positive things to say. So maybe I'll just say some positive things and we'll jump right to the would you rather and we'll get you out of here so you can go back to Grumpy Grouchville. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there's this background debate going on <laughs> at all times in bike nerd circles. What bike is the quote quiver killer? A phrase we both hate. We hate real that. talk. Yeah. Uh, isn't a decent gravel bike probably the only bike you need? Yes. Yes. All right. On to the next question. Question two. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, seriously, so, though, don't you think, don't you, I mean, you leave your home. Hypothetical scenario, Steve Knievel uh -huh. um, uh, removes his head from betwixt his buttocks and decides to leave his dwelling place. Harsh. Ah, uh, sorry. 
Then he grabs a bike cycle machine in order to transport himself. Which one does he grab? Describe it. Yeah, it's a cross bike um, or as they're commonly known now, gravel bikes. Yeah. It's always been. Oh, geez. Excuse me. Real burpy. Uh, it's always been, you know, I've told the story before. I wrote an article about it in Dirt Rag. I've talked about it till I'm fucking blue in the face. But it was at uh, some Ring of Fire mountain bike race in Occidental. I think it was in mid-90s. And um, I didn't know. I only knew a handful of the local single speeders. I mean, there's only like a handful of single speeders anyway. There's maybe like 20 people, 25 people in the field. And uh, I saw the people who I knew who had single speeds. I was in the process of building one myself, Um, uh, but I raced a geared bike at that race. Anyway, I see Rick Hunter ride through and he's riding a cross bike. And I was just like, oh, I don't even know. Like, I don't even, there's not a hole in my brain that is in the shape that, that what I just saw fits into, but it's, I know I want a piece of it. I know it's fucking cool. And so I ended up shortly thereafter, I got a cross bike and I just like ride a cross bike instead of, you know, in place of a mountain bike. And no, you can't do the same shit on a cross bike that you can on a mountain bike. But the thing is, everything is fun on a cross bike. Like you can ride the road to the dirt road, the road to the dirt road. That's fun. Dirt road to the trail. That's fun trail to the road again that's fun it's just and you yeah you can't do big fucking jumps and you're not standing around the parking lot with your knee pads and your google your google's on the back of your helmet and (laughs) your neck brace and all that shit you don't have all that stuff it's just you and your bike and you're just fucking ripping and you rip to the best of your ability and sometimes when you see somebody fucking smoking a trail on a cross bike it's still is the thing that totally fires me up. It's the raddest fucking thing to see somebody rip on a cross bike. And I, you know, yeah, a gravel bike, okay, whatever. I mean, six and one half dozen the other. Sean Walling from Soulcraft was making a bike called the Dirt Bomb, which was, you know, a fat tired cross bike. What is that what they call it? Fat? Not a fat bike, but a monster cross. Like that was a yeah. thing for a quick minute until... Somebody decided they couldn't make that much money on it or whatever the fuck happened. Now Monster Cross is sort of in the wings and gravel. Everybody's talking about gravel. And somebody's going to say, oh, the geometry is different or the bottom brackets are lower. You're sitting more upright or it's there's more fucking frame bags and all kinds of shit bolted on your, cro- <laughs> on your gravel bike. <laughs> um, but essentially, I mean, isn't that what it is? It's a, it's a fucking... I just saw a picture of somebody's like gravel bike from the outbound, outer bound, outward bound, (laughs) unbound, unbound cross. And they're just everybody's fucking flipping out about it. And it looks exactly like a like a 1996 GT Zaskar or whatever the fuck (laughs) that bike was. It's the same thing. We have come completely full circle and everybody's so excited to be sniffing their own butt again, thinking it's like a brand new thing and you know materials have changed uh geometry's probably changed whatever it's the same fucking thing bruce gordon and i used to talk about this endlessly 
He's like, what the fuck is crap? This is all I've been doing since the 70s. Hello. And it's brand new. Fuck. And I just, you know, like I got to channel some of Bruce's like animosity and some of his frustration because the dude, he had it all figured out before any of us were even fucking riding bikes. But now it's exciting and there's new ways of making money and yeah, it's just, I don't get it. I don't get it. So I get, that's kind of where my frustration lies is it's always been fucking rad. It's not new at all. Right? I mean, maybe not. Okay. I don't want to you, say anything because you, I feel like I think, pulled robot? the string. I pulled the string all the way out and I got to hear everything it's, that you're going to say before I say anything else. Oh, I think that's, I guess I'm, I guess I'm out of gas. I should probably put myself down for a nap now until the next question comes around. <laughs> um, I, think everything, I think everything you said is um, just right. Uh, and yet, and yet, I'm still excited about it. I don't care. I get excited about excitement. I'm glad some. I'm glad uh, these young whippersnappers are whippersnapping around on their gravel uh, bicycles because uh, it's real fun. And okay, I rode mine yesterday, and I I I ripped on it. I'm not usually that great at bikes, but yesterday I had a real good day and I was riding, I was riding mountain bike stuff on my uh, gravel bike. And I, I was like, uh, I almost got tired patting myself on the back. How good I was doing. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I, I get, you know, like road, road cycling was super exciting. Everybody loved road cycling. And then, and then and it's sort of like all at the same time, everybody decided that it wasn't that much fun to share the road with cars because it's sketchy. And then people found roads that weren't so highly traveled and it, and a whole new thing was born. Um, and I agree, you know, it's fucking awesome, but it's not, it's not new. It's, you know, and just like, I, like, I get super excited when I see people riding a cross bike. I get excited when I see some riding some, somebody riding a bike with cantilever brakes like that's fucking cool shit. You can't even find a bike with rim brakes anymore. I saw a, can a bike with canties on it with um, purple Paul uh, canties. Uh, it was gray, gray bike. It was just sexy as hell. I just saw it. I was like, but what? And it belongs yeah. to a friend of mine, and I didn't even know he had that bike. And I was like, what? It's pretty neat when you see. It, there was a time, you know, where you'd like when I was a kid, you'd see somebody with a skateboard, and you like you're like, oh, we speak the same language you know, we know the secret handshake. And then there was a time where you'd see somebody on a custom steel hardtail and you'd be like, Oh, we, you know, we know the same language. You see somebody riding trails on a cross bike. You'd be like, Oh, we speak, speak the same language. Um, I will say real quick, and this isn't necessarily, I'm just thinking about my friend, Joe. He's has a neighbor who like is constantly driving their bike to dirt. And the dirt is like a mile and a half away. You know, as the crow flies. And, uh, I was always of the, I don't know, this doesn't necessarily tie in except for the fact that he said she's like driven her gravel bike somewhere um, multiple times. And I think about, I was finally able to sort of articulate my, my uh, frustration is that uh, in the, in this society, everybody always assumes, you know, if you ride your bike to work, 
people are like, how far of a ride is it? And you're like, I don't know, it's 30 minutes. Oh, I could never do that. Really? You, you sat in your car for an hour. Like that to me just seems impossible. But people don't. And so part of this stems from um, uh, my frustration with people's inability to wrap their mind around the idea that you can use a bike for transportation. It's really simple. And it's really easy to ride your bike to rides. Not all the time. I'm not saying in every instance, but, you know, I've never not, I've never driven to a a local ride. When I lived in the Bay Area, I would drive to Marin, but I would, you know, all the East Bay stuff I'd ride to. Um, And my friend Teresa was... She does something in the pharmaceutical industry and she was talking about how can I would, it would be faster for me to, to ride my bike to the different hospitals and clinics, but, but I'm provided with a car and I'm provided with a gas stipend and all this stuff. She's like, but I, I don't, I'm encouraged to drive. I'm not encouraged to ride a bike, even though a bike would be faster, but people look at a bike and they think it's a toy or they think that it's slower or something. And and then I see that mentality now transferring into mountain biking and gravel and stuff where like, I can't ride my bike to the ride. That's impossible. It's not even a part of the conversation. People are so convinced that a bike is, it's just an expensive toy, I guess. I fear that you have now hit upon some of my pet peeves that I am going to articulate. And I'm afraid that the whole um, emotional balance of the podcast is going to shift and you're going to get get chuckly and I'm going to be grumpy. (laughs) But let me say this. Um, Somehow mountain biking has turned into free ride. Like it's junior motocross for sure. If you don't know how to do a backflip, you're not mountain biking. And I don't, I don't, what? I don't. I hate I I like that stuff. That's cool. If you can do a backflip on a bike, oh, you're you're real neat. Um, good for you. I'm never gonna do that. Um, I, and I can be kind of I can like it and I can be inspired by it, but it's like somehow it's part of that cultural thing of yeah, the bike is just this enormous death-defying stunt bike which you would never ride on the road. And I agree with you, like, I ride to all my local rides. Uh, because they have, uh, the bikes have wheels on them, and if the surface is hard, it rolls on them real good. Uh, That's been but, some of the argument, has been some of the argument is people, people, uh, let's see, how can I, how can I put this? People say like, oh, this bike, you know, it sucks to ride in situations that, you know, like it sucks to ride to the ride. My bike is too heavy or there's too much travel or whatever. And so it's like, you spent, you spent $8,000, $9,000 or whatever um, on this thing that you can't, that, that sucks to ride to the bike ride. Like that just seems kind of, kind of kooky to me. Well, this gets to my second pet peeve, which is that um, it seems like most people, when they get a new bike, they're like, well, how much travel can I have? 
Can I have right. like if you could offer me a one million front by one million rear, I would be riding that. Uh, everyone is over biked <laughs> as fuck. It's like you're bringing an AR-15 to a dominoes game. Like we're just gonna play dominoes. You don't need an assault rifle for that. Right. Um. I, I, and I'm generalizing and I'm being a grouchy old fuck, but I also, I'm like people, I show up at my local spots and I see the bikes people pull out and I'm like, what are you doing with that? Yeah. Uh, okay. And I, okay, maybe that's the only bike they have and they're just going to dance with the date they brung. And I, I respect that. But on the, at the same time, I'm like, can everyone just chill the fuck out? It's okay to have bike skills. You don't have to have a bike that does everything for you. Like, did you, you're not trying to buy a magic carpet where, like, no rock, root, downed tree disturbs your equilibrium in any way. What are you doing? Yeah. I have to ride as fast as possible, and I have to let the bike do all the stuff. I mean, it, you know, I feel like I'm a little bit underbiked for this area. I, I've had this uh, Kona Hehe for seven years and it's an it's an awesome cross-country bike um something with a little bit more travel might be a, a bit more appropriate for this area it was fine for the bay area and the trails there but uh you know i don't need a downhill bike for sure and but you know so whatever you're always using the phrase i don't want to yuck anybody's yum and i'm sure there's people who's are going to take exception to all this stuff. This is just my experience and my perspective. Like, okay, we're way the fuck off topic, <laughs> but cross riding cross bikes on trails is awesome. It's super and fun. You're not going to be doing, you know, like backflips. You're not going to be ripped, but it's all things are relative. You know, you're going to fucking haul ass on your 3000 millimeter travel downhill super bike way faster than i can on my cross bike but when you ride as fast as you can on a cross bike it to me is as exciting as riding way way faster on a on a bike that has you know tons of moving parts i mean it, it, it all relates like if i can rip on the cross bike when i then get on a hardtail or i do have a trail bike uh that i enjoy it uh, the skills are better because I did the other thing. I don't want to turn this into an elitist. Oh, you got to do things that are hard so you can have good skills. Right. I'm just saying, like, I don't know. We just don't have to have a 40-pound bike to, to, like, ride around in our local woods. That's all. It's, uh, oh, yeah, oh, okay, we'll, just, we'll leave it at that. I could I could say a bunch more, bunch more junk, but it, it's just junk. So uh, cross bikes are sweet. Uh, all bikes are fun and you know, if you feel like driving for two miles and parking, uh, you know, in the parking lot where five, a bunch of old growth trees were cut down to accommodate mountain bikers, you know, that's <laughs> everybody got their own kind of fun. Uh, <clears throat> what features do you think are important for a good one of these kinds of bikes? If it is, in fact, a quiver killer. And this is this is your your go to. Um, I like a bigger tire, you know, like a like a forty five. Okay. Maybe I love the WTB uh, Nanos. Oh yes, same. They they wear real good. They're good all terrain tread. 
Um, I think they look cool. The black sidewall, not a tan sidewall kind of guy at all. Uh, and it looks a little bit like a monster truck, but without looking too much like a monster truck. I love that tire. Uh, uh, it's got, it seems to have like a high center bead. So when you're on the road, it rolls real nice. Uh, yeah. and then it's pretty aggressive tread wise. So when you're not on the road, uh, you know, you have slips, slip sliding all over the place. Yeah. But then again, the, the guy that got me into mountain biking talked about him before too. Uh, Danny Norton, that guy, he made me realize he was inspiring. He was inspiring to me. Kind of like Rick Hunter was like, you look at Rick riding a, riding a bike that shouldn't be ridden in these environments and he's riding it better than everybody else who's riding bikes that are built for these environments. Danny was the same way. He His bikes were always way too big or way too small and his tires were bald and the sidewalls were blown out and he could ride better than any He's still, to date, probably one of the best mountain bikers I've ever ridden with. You know, so it's like... It's the it's it's the painter, not the brush, you know, um, and which is also kind of like why I like to ride bikes like this is because I want to. I'm never going to be a Robert Ives. I'm never going to be a Rick Hunter. I'm never going to be a Danny Norton. I'm just average me, but I get a little glimpse of that sometimes, and that feels real good. So kudos to those guys, and they inspired me too. Uh, make bad decisions. In fact, I was riding a cross bike off-road a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, and my left wrist was really fucking hurting. And uh, I was like, oh, this is Rick Hunter's fault. <laughs> I mean, my wrist my wrist was hurting um, for a host of other reasons, but then I started thinking I should probably make it's Rick Hunter's fault stickers. Uh, yeah. What other features? I like a nice Ergo bar. An ergonomic drop bar. Oh. Um, maybe with a little bit of flair. Yeah. Uh, uh, and a little bit of, um, a little bit of like a shallow drop with a little bit of flair. That's real nice. You know, I got a pair on my gravel bike. Uh, I'm just going to call back to our sponsor, but uh, Shimano Pro, it's a Shim carbon Shimano Pro. And I think it was maybe called the gravel bar or... It it's it is it's like a shallow drop with a flare. Uh, I like it real good. Hmm. I'll have to investigate that. The bar that I got from them was it was just whatever they had sitting on my bench when I built my bike initially, back in the uh, the infancy of the the Gravel Alliance thing, which was funny that I was a part of. I wasn't as like bitter, not bitter. Am I? Would you consider me bitter? Just oh, kind of yeah. like okay. <laughs> Uh, not and as bitter sour. <laughs> as I as I am uh, now. I was just kind of like I was perplexed. I was perplexed by gravel as a yeah as a thing. And there was a book, and now there's a gravel hall of fame, and you can buy gravel specific floor pumps, which is the fucking weirdest thing. I thought I was being pranked, <laughs> and there there are gravel shoes and gravel glasses and. All of this stuff, like it is, everybody's gravel, bananas for gravel. Well, this is the problem. I think they are the best bikes. I think they are, like, 
when I leave the house, when I get my head out from betwixt my buttocks and I <laughs> and I can leave my home, it's the bike that I'm going to grab nine times out of ten. Um, uh, but grown-ups ruin everything. It's like, uh, it's like, is, what's the flavor of this year? Chocolate? Well, we're going to make everything chocolate something. Chocolate yeah. acai. Chocolate acorn oh, chocolate pumpkin you know. spice yeah it's the pumpkin, pumpkin spice, spice of cycling absolutely and not <laughs> gravel is the pumpkin spice of cycling jesus and i love pumpkin spice i do too and but... i love you know oh what's the the t-shirt that says i love i i love skateboarding but i hate skateboarders mm. i kind of feel the same way about it but it's not Again, if I didn't have if I didn't have friends through cycling, like I'd barely have any friends at all. And so it has brought some of the best there's it's brought all of it's been my fucking career for better or for worse. This has been my bikes to bike world has been my career and I've, you know, probably I'm just a what's it called somebody who's constantly like focused on the opposite of stuff contrarian i'm a fucking contrarian yeah just shut up i'm not gatekeeping though i don't want that to that mistake to be uh or that to that label to be mistakenly applied to me because i'm not at least i'm hoping i'm not i'm trying not to sort of what's good for me doesn't necessarily have to be good for other people I have spent my life committing to shit that's different than what everybody else is doing and i'm probably just bent out of shape about if you, look up, if you look out. up uh, contrarian in the thesaurus, uh, one of the synonyms is pain in the ass. Did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just getting worse. <laughs> uh, any other qualities we think are important? Well, I was going to say, you, you, you said that thing about, uh, I don't hate skateboarding, I just hate skateboarders. When I very first dis- was talking about doing a cycling podcast i wanted to call it i hate cycling <laughs> and and i said that to our our mutual friend bob scales and bob was like i think what you mean is i hate and then he paused and i was like cyclist he said yes <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, and it's, it, I always feel like I gotta like qualify everything we say and everything that's said with like, you know, this is tongue in cheek as fuck and everything we say has to be taken with a grain of salt. And remember the first review we ever had was this podcast is terrible in three important ways. (laughs) Uh, so fill in the ways as you see fit, you know? I was thinking um, this morning, uh, I have a problem, as I think you do, uh, with negative self-talk. And then I was, so I was contemplating that this morning because I think I was doing some negative. I fucking suck at negative self-talk, by the way. Well, this is what I was just going to say, (laughs) is that I start doing negative self-talk and then I get mad that I'm doing it. I do negative (laughs) self-talk about the negative (laughs) self-talk. It is. A, it's a pretty rough spiral. Yeah. Um. Let's. Would you rather? Okay. We did. We've done a whole goddamn show about bikes. This is amazing. I hope people appreciate it because this shit's never going to happen again. I think people are probably like, God. I hope they don't do this again. <laughs> <laughs>
would you rather be a werewolf or a vampire? Uh, alternately, would you rather eat blueberry crisp or Count Chocula? Uh, have you ever seen, remember Glenn Danzig's house? The, the, like the shitty <laughs> house in Los Feliz or Los Casa Bonita, Carnitas, whatever, somewhere down in Southern California? The I don't remember big, that. The one with the big pile of bricks in the front yard. Looked like a haunted house. Danzig's house. Everybody knows about oh, Danzig's yeah, yeah. house. Oh, yeah, I do know that house. Okay, yes, I know what you mean. So, at some point, I guess it's still on the market for, like, he paid, like, $20,000 for it because it's such a giant pile of turd. And now it's on the market for, like, $4 million or something. <laughs> it still sucks as much as it did the day he bought it. But at some point, there's a realtor. Realtor. Uh, yeah, and they had gone in, and a friend of theirs had gone in with their like little shitty flip phone camera and like snapped off a bunch of pictures of like what what the inside of Glenn Danzig's old house looks like, uh, and it's just as shitty on the inside as it was on the outside. I had hopes that it looked like a haunted house on the outside, but it was super trick and like gothic and bitching on the inside. But it's it sucks like a dirty bare mattress in the corner yeah. and a a big M&M guy statue and a bunch of like old fucked up comic books and action figures. And it was just dirty car. You know, you just Google inside of Glenn Danzig's house and the pictures <laughs> will come up. Um, but on his kitchen counter, he had a box of Franken. What was the Frankenstein? Frankenberry, Frank Frankenberry Frank cereal and Frankenberry Crunch? cereal. Yeah. Yeah, so he was, he's even into, like, monster cereal, monster junk <laughs> cereal. But I do they even make that stuff anymore? I think Count Chocula exists. I'm not sure about Booberry Crisp. Count Chocula is obviously the strongest character. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pete oh. Davidson playing Count Chocula on uh, the Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> It was, I don't watch Saturday Night Live, but I watched that skit probably four or five times. And it's, it's really funny. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, probably, let's see. Is this like a true blood kind of vampire where all you're doing is just boning? I mean, it can, you can be, I think you can, when you're a vampire, I think you can be whatever kind of vampire you want. I also okay. want you to know that as the producer of the show... I did research to determine, uh, as I wrote this question, that werewolves do not live forever. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah, I wanted to confirm that because I didn't want this to be like a... I wanted to have the facts. All I right. <laughs> <laughs> Your journalistic integrity remains it, intact. Yeah, that's right. I... I would probably go for like a sexy vampire, like a true blood style vampire where, you, you know, you're drinking, you drink blood, you live forever. You know, you're not really, you're not really mucking about in people's personal business. You do, you're doing tons of sex. <laughs> uh, I mean, all I know, like that seems like a pretty fun lifestyle where uh, alternatively, uh, I know American Werewolf in London and the transformation looked incredibly painful. And uh, what benefit is there? You're uh, just a big, mean dog. I talked night. to my friends Mike and Steph about this yesterday over lunch. Uh, and Steph was like, oh, I think werewolf... She, I didn't think that you would bring up the painful transition. She brought it up. Uh, and I was like, ah, this is a thing that I hadn't considered. Um, I think I would go... A, I'm going to go with was, Vampire 2. 
Michael J. Fox played a like a teenage werewolf teen or something. Wolf, yeah. it was a teen, teen wolf. Yeah, and it's just like he just got hairy, you know, but he's like leather jacket remained intact and his jeans were this fit the same. Well that's what I mean if it's like that's what Steph said as well. She's like, I can't afford the <laughs> pants that I have now. How am I gonna buy new pants all the time? <laughs> Every full moon. Yeah. You're like, oh fuck, it's full moon. I gotta put on my stretchy pants. You kind of uh, like I'm never a, have a pair of jeans you like because you get like 30 <laughs> days into them. <laughs> Shit. Uh, I meant to wear sweats today. Oh, oh quitter pants. Yeah. That my friend Kristen calls them. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with vampire. And I think I'm probably going to eat blueberry crisp because it, it seems healthier. I'm going count chocula. But you know I have bad impulse control about food. Uh, Count Chocula is the chimichanga of cereals. <laughs> I can't not okay. order it, you know? Um, there we have it. Yeah. We, uh, it looks like we're at 55 minutes, so Stop I will now wasting. read the outro what? that begins with outro. Yeah. Pay us. No, seriously, go to Cycling Independent Web Store and subscribe or hit the tip jar so we can have salsa with our corn chips and not just the dry, salty corn chips by themselves. Uh, thank you for listening on behalf of Revolting and the Cycling Independent. I'm Steve. And I'm Robot. Don't forget to chimichanga. Yeah.